is William Del Pilar, and this is Points on the Board, and I am here with Big John. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, William. Super excited, ready to go for the show tonight, ready to entertain these fans of ours or listeners or whatever you want to call them. We're, we live for them. <laughs> you know, John, I believe you, uh, but, but I got to be honest. Yes, William, I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> you sound like the Charlie Brown. Come on, let's have a little life in you, brother. I sound like a Vietnam a person. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I sound like one of those Vietnam uh, POWs reading the, like, they are treating us well, blinking out torture the whole time. Yeah. Songbird John. <laughs> <laughs> For those who get that joke. Yeah. But we have a great show, people. Good. We are going to talk about what I thought would never happen. A cable sh uh, television show beating a free network television show. And the re reason that's exciting and we'll talk about it is because of the numbers of potential viewers. Right. And, and it, 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 just, it just shocked me in a way. But we also going to talk a little Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the saga is close to an end, people. And then, John, you got to help me out here. We're also going to talk about a, a heavy topic. And that's Matt Mariza. Is that how you say it? Areza. Areza. I thought you were the Latin X person. You should be able to pronounce it a lot better than me. I'm a it gringo. Would help. It would I'm help if in my notes I hadn't put an M. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, John? I've been actually following this story since it started because mm. I'm in San Diego. Ironically, I'm not good friends with her, but I've met her on multiple occasions and actually helped her with her uh, re-election, and that's the San Diego District Attorney mm. who, who where this case is going to end up in. Okay, cool. So uh, let's keep going. You know, Greg Gutfeld, uh, he's a comedian. Uh, I, I don't know if you know Greg Gutfeld in terms of what he does much, yeah. but I do know some of his guests you probably are well aware. So so talk to us a little bit about Greg Gutfeld, what you know of him and what you think of him. Well, uh, Greg Gutfeld's always been somebody that I thought was funny. He, I, he originally started, I believe, as a men's health writer, believe Correct. it or not. And um, he, he, he was always on a show uh, on Fox, on the Fox channel. Uh, it was called Red Eye. And it would come on at two in the morning or right. in on the East Coast. It would be like two in the morning, three in the morning, one in the morning. Sometimes it wouldn't come on at all, you know. Uh, but what was great about it was there were a lot of commentators and comedians there that that he would call from the New York uh, stand-up scene. So right. a lot of times you ended up getting Gavin McGinnis or Anthony Cumia or, um, uh, you know, Bill Schultz or a whoa, lot whoa, of these Hold guys. on. Anthony Cumia was on that show? I mean, oh, I used to watch it off and on. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, and uh, he kind of jokes about it now. But half the people that he's hired onto his network, Compound Media, he 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 has no shame in saying, he goes, yeah, I stole them all from Red Eye when they canceled that show, you know. So, yeah, he, he used to be, uh, I, I wouldn't say a regular, but, you know, like he was a frequent guest. Uh, Gavin McGinnis, for sure, was a frequent contributor there. Uh, Bill Schultz was another one that was there. Not that he was a conservative or anything, but he was um, he was one of the uh, 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 stand-ups, you know, in, in the New York area. They, they always had like a hot uh, hot chick on talking right. about something. Half the time, I didn't care what they had to say. They were just hot chicks at two in the morning, three in the morning. Hold on, Kate Kate Timp is that her name? Oh, Cat Timp, Cat Timp, Cat Timp, yeah. Was she um, one of the ones you're talking about? Yeah, and she's actually a libertarian, so she's probably more my speed than yours. But I mean, uh, yeah, you mean the fact she's a twig. No, that's not a Latino thing. There. No, no, no. <laughs> she's she's not a thick uh, lady, as as uh, I and I believe that would be thick spelled. What is it? T h i c c or something like yeah, that. T h i c c. In, yeah, in, yeah. in Spanish, we call them regenitas. And regenita means a little fool. But, but yeah, that, that's okay. I, that sounds nice to me, though. That sounds a little tasty to me. I guess it's not doesn't mean thick, but it's a kind of the same Curvy. reference. That Curvy. Like, when you say Curvy. thick, you're like, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I remember when I learned the term zaftig. I'm like, what the hell is zaftig? Somebody goes, that's a curvy woman. I'm like, okay. who the hell called a woman? Hey, you're a beautiful zaftig. <laughs> <laughs> but back yeah. to Gutfeld. Yeah. Uh, uh, he uh he pulled a shocker. And the reason it's a shocker is cable television 
does not have the audience of network television. Right. Network television is free throughout the whole country. Hell, you can still use rabbit ears and get network television for free. Fox, you have to sign up for it. And and, and this is also, it's not depressing, but, but it shows how fragmented society has become. Uh, according to Fox News, Guffell averaged 2.19 million viewers, while Stephen Colbert averaged 2.15. Yeah. Uh, marking the first month since January 27th that the left-wing comedian did not finish at number one. What people may not know is Colbert now dominates the late night. Uh, he he overtook right. Jimmy Fallon some years back and has never looked back. And uh, uh, I guess, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I think it's all, all bad for the simple fact that you look at these numbers, 2 million, and these guys are getting paid like 10, 15, 20 million a year for 2 million. Right. I mean, I came from Phil uh, an average month in the 90s in early 2000s, we were we had over 12 million unique users, right. not impressions, but unique users. Right. Like, well, where's my paycheck? Yeah. Well, first of all, what are your thoughts on what's become of late night television? From from and for everybody, John has a has a comedian's background. He he's a wannabe, but not in a bad way. Meaning he's worked in that industry. His passion is eventually be one, even as we're old men. So he knows how it works. And, and as you talked about having some of those guests come by, uh, what do you think has become of the late night scene since Johnny Carson and Jay Leno? Oh, yeah. And what do you think of these numbers? Well, the numbers are are just uh, indicative of the times, right? Like you mentioned, society is fragmented. And that's not the case politically. Um, in what libertarians always tell you is a good thing, there's fewer gatekeepers to entertainment. There's more choice for people. Right. And as you know, the technology now is that every network is portable. So back uh, back in about 2010, 2011, I was part of a startup where we built a the, one of the first portable networks. And it, it, it was uh, back then on Roku, when Roku didn't have a, a wide distribution, Roku was a newer technology back then, right? right? So right. when, when I had built out that network on a technical level, it was considered groundbreaking, but it was too groundbreaking, right? Not too many people understood how to use it. But what happened since then was that concept, I'm not saying they stole it from me, mind you. I'm just saying the concept of a portable network. For example, one of the first organizations that did it was the World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE, Vince McMahon he understood or, or his people understood that that's going to be the future. So that's why you had the WWE network that they would always on their TV shows would promote just for $9.99 a month. You can get this. You could watch all the library of all our pay-per-views okay. and all, you know, so they started that now though, it's very much, um, it's very much in vogue for you to build your own entertainment streams based on individual networks. You and I were talking like, hey, let's give Paramount Plus a try, right? right. Because they have Star Trek. They have certain things. P some people love Disney Plus, right? Because that has all the Marvel uh, superhero stuff associated with it. Plus, for young kids, it's got the traditional Disney stuff. But if you think about it, it's no different than what HBO built back in the day, what Showtime right. built back in the day, uh, what Netflix evolved into. Uh, Amazon Prime is its own studio right now. Uh, Apple TV has its own studios and they're producing great content. So now we're at the point where if you get 2 million viewers, you're considered top of the heap because there's because people's entertainment streaming dollars are so divided up. Everybody can pick exactly what they want to see. So the idea of what used to be called... Um, uh, scheduled programming, right? right? Where you would say, hey, look, for Johnny Carson, what was it when he was the king of late night? Or even oh for Jay, Jay Leno, right? You said to yourself, I got to be awake at 1130 to see this show. Because oh, I can Yeah, you got to stay up because you, you basically, a lot of people in the beginning didn't have VCRs. They didn't have DVRs right. back then. There was no such technology. That's right. And the show was never repeated. There was no internet. You could go That's to, right. there was no YouTube. So if you right. wanted to see MASH, which when MASH went off the air, the series MASH with Alan Alda, I think it was in 1983, 84 or so. Yeah, I was still in high school. Yeah. When they went off the air, 
they had by far the largest uh, audience of any TV episode in history at the time. And it may still be either the first or the second one in history. I think only a couple of Super Bowls may have surpassed it. Right. 80 and, million. 80 yeah, million. 80 million people, which at the time was something like a 70 share, I think. You know, like meaning that 70% of every TV screen, 70% of the TV screens in the U.S. were watching that episode of MASH. Right. And, and Big John, not to interrupt, but, yeah. but to give you a... Uh, 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 Another example is uh, the fragmentation. When Frazier ended, uh, he had like close to 20 million. And that was like humongous, especially for an 11 year show that is yeah. slowly dying. So so your point on fragmentation is well taken. But the final question before we get to dem uh, another demographic number is at what point do the salaries start to come down? Meaning at what point do the networks go, bro, you may be all that, but it's still only 2 million viewers. Because what's happening in other streaming networks, that has already happened. So I think it's only a matter of time before it, it begins to happen uh, 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 to these people as well, especially it, with, with, yeah. with the fragmentation that they want to continue. Fox wants, the, they're continually pushing their, uh, what's what's that? What They've got their own streaming service. Uh, uh, I forget what it's called. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm I, assuming it's called uh, Fox Plus Plus or Fox X or whatever, you know, FXX or whatever it is. But but you're right. Now, here's the here's the one thing I will say advertisers have money to burn ad agencies get their clients to cough up money when i was consulting at an ad agency for ford say 10 years ago roughly if i told you what their budget was it would blow your mind the budget by the way i'm not going to tell you not that it was any it, there's no relation to it now 10 right. years later but the budget began with the letter b yeah. Not M. No, I get that, John. I just think they're going to smart enough. I think eventually, right. at the average, I think eventually, uh, I, I just think they're going to go, look, we're, we're going to use this 5 million for this 30 second spot to get 30 million internet uh, uh, viewers. Uh, if they can that, do that. If they, well, eventually, they're going yeah. to. No, yeah. I, I just think eventually they're also going to go stop network tv stop cable networks we know you have the technology to give us better tracking numbers because right now uh it, it's very old but but i remember reading when fox first came out not, not fox news but fox the network station that they had the technology to give better tracking numbers than what nielsen was doing for the advertisers and pretty much the other networks Kind of like you know, like like bullies beating somebody. Say no, you will not do that. And Fox pulled back from that because it's better to, to keep them believing they're getting more than what they actually are. And I've never forgotten that article because to me is that day will come. And, and I believe with this, that day is going to come. But I don't want to take anything away from Gutfeld. He even beat out uh, Anderson Cooper in terms of the coveted demographic. And the coveted demographic, I'll let you tell us about that because that was your that was your bread and butter. Yeah, What's it the demographic real quick and why? Yeah, it's 25 to 54 year olds, uh, particularly males, for the most part males, unless you're talking about niche programming, because those are the people most likely to have the most expendable income, who are more likely to spend their money, who are more likely to be sitting in front of TVs and screens. So that is, it's the one where you get the highest ROI for most products. So uh, what's interesting though is, William, that I kind of agree with you, but also being very familiar with the advertising industry, the marketing industry, I can tell you right now, tracking is going to be a problem again on the internet because of all the privacy laws that have been passed. So a lot of the data that the internet was a benefit to advertisers yeah. because, because then they could say, look, when you run a banner, this is how many people saw the banner. This is how many people clicked on the banner. This is how many people saw the video on your your advertisement, right? The pre-rolls or the mid-rolls and things like that, right? Now those are getting trickier because back in the day, I could tell you the exact name, address, and age of who saw your video, who saw your banner. No, no, I agree, John. Now we can't do that anymore. It's illegal. Right, but here's the problem. The economy is always cyclical. And when it's in the crapper, like it is, those corporations, yeah, they, they still have those, the money that starts with a B. Yeah. And that's where the lobbyists get those politicians. We need this pass. We need that pass. Yada, yada, yada. 
And that's when change happens. And I have no issue in my data anonymously where they don't know my name being sent to a company. I have issues when they start using my name, where I live and, and things like that. Well, that's but, where the but, value but, is. But, that's where the value is, right? Like anonymously. I guess, I, I guess, yeah. but like anonymously. Really, if you're selling malt liquor, I mean, you just want to know how many, uh, uh, so for example, uh, and I was talking to my parents about this. We just had a family reunion and I was telling my siblings, they, they don't connect the politics of what I do. And I was explaining to them and my dad was there and I said, yeah, dad hung around a lot of minorities growing up and when he was in the military. And they're like, well, how do you know that? And my dad was like, yeah, how do you know that? I go, you smoke cools. And cools were only uh, targeted towards blacks at the time yes, and, right. and, and Latinos. Yeah, so so my point is, I don't mind my, you know, he's a Latino that gets anonymously said, you know, those bull type numbers. So I think there will be some balance, you think? Um, yes and no. Like, I mean, it's always, it's always a game of juggling, right? <clears throat> when, so I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but for example, we've all heard of cookies, right? Uh, on the right, computers, right, right. We've heard of cookies. Cookies is what allows a lot of great things on the internet. For example, when you go to a website and it remembers that, Hey, my favorite color is blue. So I see a blue screen and it right, remembers right, my login right, and right, all that. Right, right. That's due to cookies, right? Now that's the problem. Right. Now what used to happen was each company would give you a cookie, would place a cookie on your computer. And even though it couldn't change anything, it would know when you went to Amazon looked like my wife says this all the time. How did Amazon know that I was looking at a purse on the Eddie Bauer site? You know, like there's two different sites. Those are cookies. That's called targeting, retargeting. Oh, I got a better one, John. Yeah. I just told you about it. So, so to the audience, John goes, man, we got some hot looking women starting to follow us on Twitter and here. And I said, John, that's on me. We're trying to figure out a way that, 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 that to get beautiful women to, to, to showcase our clothes to the audience. And, uh, uh, and I don't mind looking at beautiful women either. But every time I do that, we get two or three new followers and there's these hot women. So I'm like, somebody's tracking us in some fashion. And, and to give more credence to what you're saying, John, for the audience, I handle most of the social media on a daily basis. So I won't shut one of my browsers down for a few days. So I just keep my computer on. But, but I do run CC Cleaner. And when I run that every few days, it's not like a couple of uh, cookies. It's like 2,000, 3,000 yeah. cookies yeah. to clean up. So it, it's everybody's in there. That's what caused all these issues where all these cookies just, I right. mean, they were taking our information. Then you had the hidden uh, advertising schemes like on Facebook. Come play this quiz, you know? And I'm like, well, not only that, you're giving your identity away. Right. You know, because a good con artist can figure it out. So yeah. uh, and now uh, the law I, I said, agree with you, but I think yeah. common sense of money will we'll, we'll, we'll figure it all out. Yeah, yeah. But look, there's still some industries that refuse to give you any numbers. I mean, um, when I was when I had my radio show at Sirius XM, I could never yeah. they would never tell me what my ratings were. And to this day, there's people like nobody, no talent at Sirius XM knows what their ratings are. Howard Stern does not know what his ratings are. Like the way they used to cares. do it, like with Arbitron, you know, you heard of Arbitron yeah, yeah, ratings yeah. and things like that, right? Arbitron was um, radio people, just to let you know. Right, yeah. They used to tell you, they used to guess, but they at least used to give you some numbers, right? They they used to do what amounts to polling, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and the, statistical analysis. It's a statistical deal. analysis, but at least they give you something, right? When I was at Sears, I'd say, hey, out of curiosity, how many people tuned into my show last week? Uh, we don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You know, I never bought that. No, you like, know, I don't uh, believe that. People will tell you that they don't believe them, right? And I have no idea whether they were telling me the truth. I I, I refuse to believe that they built a, a company based on a satellite circling exactly. the earth so you could exactly. listen to Howard Stern curse, right? They did that, but they can't figure out how many people have turned on their radio, especially the digital platform. Exactly. So to me, it sounded a little sketchy. But to this day, if an advertiser went to SiriusXM and said, can you validate what you claim about your ratings? They can't. So whether they can't or they won't, I don't know. But the point is, you can't get those solid numbers. So the truth of the matter is that even today, even now, people are going to have problems with that. But to the fragmentation issue, 
That's why 2.3 million, 2.1 million viewers is considered the king of late night now. Whereas Johnny Carson used to get that many viewers by accident on Saturday right. nights right. when he wasn't even on the air. People out of habit right. would go to 1130 and they'd be like, where's John? Oh, today's Saturday. You know, I remember Johnny Saturday. Carson. Uh, I, I remember reading some numbers that it's like it's like he had monster numbers, and once his monologue was over, it always dropped a, a, a bit. And, but but I remember I used to stay up even as a kid for his monologue. He he was one of the greatest tiny comedians with himself, yes. meaning like, uh, in terms of his facial, his body language, especially with a joke bomb. He was the first one I ever saw as a comedian with a joke bomb. He'd give you that look and, and kind of make a, a comment about the writers. Or he would tap the microphone, right? He'd do this and say, is it this on? You know, oh, yeah, he, yeah. or he'd start yeah. tap dancing, right? But the other thing about back then, when you had late night hosts like that, Johnny Carson, for example, was not an actor. He was right. not a stand-up comedian. He didn't right. have side gigs. Um, and, and I'm sure a lot of it is just the nature of the times. Right. Um, but now think about it. Jay Leno, stand-up comedian when he took over. David Letterman, stand-up comedian when he took over. Jimmy yeah, he Kimmel. Was never funny. Neither. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> stand-up comedian when he took over. Jimmy you know Fat what? Yeah. The leftist in me comes white privilege. I never found Jimmy Kimmel funny. I never found David Letterman funny. Never found Jimmy Fallon funny. I think that's why Leno blew the took over from Carson and dominated late night. He was actually funny. You know, uh, uh, it was a lot of it was a lot of different it was a lot of different reasons. But the truth of the matter is that David Letterman to me is a genius. I know you said you didn't find him funny. That's fine. But to me, he was a genius, um, especially if you watched his old NBC show. Not uh, the oh, CBS no, I show no was really good. Watching in college, yeah, every yeah. dorm room I went into, he was on, and everybody was saying like, "You, the man that's a finished guy on television." Yeah, like, he. He was he was considered hip at the time, you know, especially when he first burst on the scene. But anyway, so what's happening now is, though, you've got all these guys. They have to compete with cable. They have right. to compete with the Internet. They have to compete with literally 5,000 channels. Whereas before, when Carson was king, all he had to worry about was NBC and CBS. Uh, I'm sorry, ABC and CBS because he was on NBC. That's right. all he had to worry about. Right. And he always had the local news in front of him which meant he had a strong audience, a strong lead in, and he kept all of them, you know? So, so it was the same thing with Jack Benny, uh, not Jack Benny, Jack Parr, who was the yeah, host. Yeah, yeah, the original host. He was no, the original. No, no. Steve Martin was the very no, first Steve, host, and I think Jack Parr. Not Steve Martin, Steve Allen, you're thinking oh, of. Steve Allen, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. But Jack <laughs> Parr was the one who made The Tonight Show, The Tonight Show. Right. And, and, and Carson took it over from him. And those guys, now we're talking about times going to the 1960s, right? Oh, who was the other guy on ABC? I think Ed Sullivan. But he was primetime, I think. He was primetime. He, he had a variety show. He uh, Ed Sullivan, right. for, and I know we've lost everybody under the age of 50, but Ed Sullivan was the guy who was credited with bringing acts like Elvis and the Beatles right. uh, to mainstream America, right? During the 60s, during the turbulent, you know, Vietnam stuff and all that. He would bring so what's he known for with Elvis. What, what was did that? He do with Elvis? Oh, what he, did he, he do with Elvis? Before, yeah, what he did with the Elvis. So there were rumors. <laughs> there were rumors that Elvis was going to put a pipe in his pants. So when he performed swinging his hips, and right. it would look like the, the pipe would swing in his pants. Uh, use your imagination. Uh, it was totally unfounded, but somehow that got back to Ed Sullivan. So Ed Sullivan said he could be on the show, but he ordered the cameraman to uh vi to shoot him from the waist up right so right. that the second like in the middle of um hound dog or something if he was gyrating because people forget but when elvis was when he was a young man he was considered gorgeous like brad well, he was a handsome man he yeah, was a he, handsome he, man yeah but the girls back then viewed him the way say women may have viewed brad pitt right. or um who's the other guy that's big now um like one of the Thor. William Delpilar. No, William Delpilar. Who's the Thor guy? Hemingway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, look, that's a beautiful man, too. I had no shame shame. These are beautiful <laughs> men, too. But in his time, yeah. he he was even more popular because, again, they weren't fragmented. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of history, uh, uh, not a lot of nonsense, but like you said, we lost people. But getting back to Guffel before we close it out. Yeah, sure. He, uh, 
358,000, which is a minuscule number compared to 350 million Americans in this country. But that's a much coveted 25 to 54 age bracket, as you're saying. And he's he not only did he beat Anderson Cooper, he's outpacing Carlson, Hannity, and The Five. And those are the three biggest shows for Fox number-wise. Right. I'm not a big believer in the 25 to 54, uh, maybe because I'm aging into that group, because uh, uh, I'm still the guy who could be convinced. But I was also, as a marketer, I also learned in college, and, and you can verify it before we move on that, part of the reason the younger demographic is because that's still the demographic that you can you can change, meaning they haven't decided what their favorite beer is or, or, or what, what their favorite brand of shoes are. And uh, so I get it from that perspective, but I mean, CBS is thriving with the senior circuit, you know, and, they, and they've been thriving. And the final comment on Carson for people out there, in the late 70s into the early 80s, NBC was flat broke. Hmm. And Carson Carson's ratings and advertisers carry the network. I remember that was a huge story for yeah. many years. I, I've never seen anybody with that much power in television uh, since then in terms of having carried a network. Uh, but congratulations to Greg Gutfeld. Yep. He's a comedian, has a lot, a lot of people that, that Big John admires and that I am sure he will eventually have on as guests himself. And mm -hmm. I always wondered where Bill Schultz went. And when I was checking uh, uh, Anthony Cumo's, uh, Cumo's essay, his, Cumo, his yeah. compound, and I saw him there, I was kind of happy for him because he was like this. I love this little New York Times newspaper when he did the voice for that. You know? Yeah. So congrats yeah, yeah. to Greg Gutfeld. And let us move on uh, as, as, as who did this? In the past, I can't remember who did Letterman. Was Letterman that, that used to Letterman, do that? yeah. There you go. So let's go to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now he's another guy I, I, I hate. The man's just too good looking. <laughs> you walk into the room uh, as a single man, you got to look for the leftovers because because he's got his own groupie, and groupies everywhere he goes. Handsome man, handsome man. You know. <laughs> but that said, wasn't handsome enough to keep the starting job. But the other hoopla was about him being traded and right. the injury derailing that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He ends up restructuring and re-signing with the 49ers. Big John, that did not surprise me. What about you? What's your take on that situation? Uh, it didn't surprise me as much as the terms of his renegotiated deal. So what was interesting to me is that he renegotiated the deal. He's guaranteed $6.5 which for a backup quarterback, I think is either the most or the second most in the league. He's the highest paid backup in the league. Highest paid backup. Now that number six and a half million could reach as much as sixteen million if he ends up being the starter for I forget the, you know for a certain you know if he hits incentives it could be as much right. as sixteen million. The other thing that he got out of them was a no trade clause, which means oh. that if they wanted to dump him right before the trade deadline to somebody for like a low pick or something, he has the right to say I don't want to go there. And for much the like. That's yeah, extremely important yeah. because at the end of the day, he still wants to start somewhere because John, I, I did not realize that. And my whole take on the situation, you just ruined my two minutes. <laughs> I was going to say, well, he's going to get dumped somewhere yeah. uh, uh, bad, but that, that actually makes it a great deal for him yeah. because I, uh, I don't buy into the, well, they're not sure about Trey Lance. Uh, you know, Trey Lance is struggling. Blah, 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 blah. You know, the, the Trey Lance story is nothing but a repeat of Justin Fields. It's devolved into identity politics. Every pass he throws is scrutinized. I'm like, I just want to wait and, and watch him play in an actual real game because he right. is a talented kid. Right. But that said, I think they did this deal. He gets his money. He's a backup, but now he can be traded very easily. I mean, and I'm, am I wrong in thinking that? Well, yes and no. So he would he would need to waive his no trade clause, right? But the fact that they they only guaranteed him the six and a half million means that it's a very team friendly contract. So if they need to trade him to a team that for whatever reason is struggling, Cleveland comes to mind, right? They got to wait 11 games before they get Deshaun Watson back. And then once they get him back, who knows how many games it'll take him to get into playing shape. So in essence, for the most part, the Browns are without a fully functional Deshaun Watson for the whole regular season, right? John, he has a no trade clause. Why would he go there? And, and to defend Deshaun Watson as an ex-sailor, he just needs some happy endings and he'll be fine. Come week Fair enough. But but if he goes to Cleveland where he gets to start for 12 games, he's betting on himself for when he walks next season. I get uh, that, but right? Because tough. look, 
at, in San Francisco, if Trey Lance is even just average, Garoppolo is not seeing the field. Right I don't now, know, John, that, I mean, that team was one game away from the Super Bowl. Uh, they uh, they uh, can go to the Super Bowl. Uh, understood, year. understood. But they're not going to put him in. Um, un- my opinion is they're not going to put him in unless Trey Lance is hurt. They have to let Trey Lance play through this. They have to. Even they're, if they have a losing record and they believe they're much better. See, to me, it boils down to the record. If they're winning or losing. Uh, I think, uh, listen, there's no upside for them benching him. The only way they, like, literally the only way they bench him is if if they're in first place despite Trey Lance, meaning yeah. that the guy has thrown six touchdowns and 40 interceptions and they're still winning somehow, then you might get him benched. But for the most part, there's I, I respect the the front office of the 49ers too much to th- to think they would do something so stupid as to bet this much on Trey Lance. Don't forget they traded up they traded up to get him in the draft. Then they spent all last season while Garoppolo was leading them to a winning season. They spent all last season letting people know this is his last year, no matter what he does. Even if he wins the Super Bowl, Garoppolo's not going to be the starter next year. That's that's a pretty bold step, right? I get that. I get that. However, what's that saying? Uh, I always forget the best laid plans of mice and men or something like that. Are torn asunder. Yes. I, I agree with you, John. I just think these general managers and head coaches know when their window is there and they still are in a window to win it all. Uh, so, so, so I agree with you, but I'm like, that's going to be a fluid situation. I don't, I, if I was Cleveland, uh, I don't know if I would bring him in because let's say he's playing great. And then Watson comes in and loses the game, you know, because, because he is rusty or something. Uh, so, so, but then, a Cleveland, then again, Cleveland is not a great football decision-making team. So, so I mean, well, you know, here's the, here's another, I mean, I just tossed Cleveland out there. But what about all the teams that were interested in him uh, but were put off by his shoulder sur- surgery, right? If he's right. shown that he's healthy, think about the Washington Commanders. What if they're in the race for the NFC East and, and Wentz is not playing well again, right? Wentz hasn't played well in a while. So what if he doesn't come through for Washington? There's Garoppolo a possibility there. Um, look at someone like, um, I don't know, uh, uh, uh Seattle, they wouldn't trade him to an in-division team. Though. Well, they wouldn't trade him to an in-division team, but I, I doubt Seattle's going to make a strong move this year, too. But, I mean, there might be other teams. So, uh, injuries. If Kirk Cousins gets injured in Minnesota, I'm sure they would place a call for Garoppolo. So I think there's things like that that are, might happen. That's what I think will happen. An yeah. injury will force this. Yeah. But, uh, hey, congrats to Jimmy G. Yeah. Uh, he's been a class act. I mean, I make fun of, I always make fun of good looking guys, uh, giving their due and all that. But he had, to me, he's proven himself a warrior because he's played hurt. Yeah. You know, people knock his talent, yada, 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 but he wins. Yeah. You know, Jeff and, George and, had all the time in the world. How many victories did he have? Deshaun Watson had all the time in the world. Yeah, look at his win loss record, you know? So, so he's a winner and, and good for him, good for the 49ers. Good for the Italians backing their guy there. And uh, uh, we'll get a Greek guy and a Latino guy in there. Uh, well, no, we won't. They, we don't play football. But anyway, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you know, Garoppolo did address those issues about his um, his being too <laughs> handsome and stuff. And he did it for us uh, uh, during one of our press conferences. So for everyone out there, go to the Sports Crumblings uh, YouTube channel and, and check out the Jimmy G uh, Jimmy GQ press conference because he 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 was kind enough to give us two or three minutes of his time to answer the very question that William brought up. Why do people hate on him for being so handsome? He has, well, he was he has, hating on you, John. You wouldn't let him bring his groupie girls in. He he, you know. So I think the people should check that out. He he was kind enough to give us a, a little bit. Yeah, of his okay, time. final question: If you had to pick any thirty-two teams, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I yeah. don't care because because you can't just that's a lot of teams. What team do you think is going to make a play for it? Just out of the blue. You mean which one does he want to go to? Yeah, yeah. It's a tough question. I don't think it's a tough it. question. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to think it through. My I'm guess. Sorry, that's on me. That's I, okay. I, I, that, no, no, that's okay. Here's here's what I think. I probably think that he ends up with a team, and this is going to sound crazy, that next season might be in a position to contend. So I think the Washington commanders fall into that group because I think they there's like, if their receiving core oh. picks up, 
The Giants. The Giants may or may not, depending on his price tag, because Shane is trying to reboot, like he's trying to unload Sal. They cut Blake Martinez, who, who I don't care what they say. If you're trying to tell me Blake Martinez doesn't fit into your defensive system, Wink Martindale. Oh, so he's a big name. I saw a lot of news stories today, but I didn't read it. Yeah, so, the so- guy, look, from a fantasy perspective, if you if you play fantasy, Blake Martinez was, when he's healthy, is good for like 130, 140 tackles a year. He's He's like a top three fantasy linebacker in pro football he's one of those middle linebackers he did it for years with the Packers his uh, last year he got hurt but the first year with the Giants he did the same thing he's just somebody who never leaves the field he's always in the middle and he always makes tackles he's not a blitzer he's not like an intimidator but he he gets the job done to cut him like that I think either unless he's still hurt which I don't think he is but unless he's still hurt why would you cut him? It's got to be a money-making move. And right. why would you cut him this late? You know what I mean? Yeah, right before the season starts. Yeah. But do you think they cut him maybe to bring him back after uh, week that, one? That's what I suspect. I haven't read anything from any insiders or anything, but my guess is they may have done it this close to the start of the season because then it kind of limits his options, and he might be willing yeah. to come back on on a more team-friendly deal. Yeah. But he, I don't know. We'll Jack see. Martino. But he I don't think right. the Giants are in there. I think the, um, I think the Commanders... The Jets might be in there if Zach Wilson doesn't show anything this season. Or, or, I mean, and I know it's line. unfair, but you know, well, uh, dude, dude, the, the guy's got the guy. The guy has plenty to fall back on if the Jets QB. Yeah, the, the Texans. The Texans are another team. Like I, I like that David Mills kid. I think you give him some time to develop. I mean, dude, we always want to laud the Zach, the Justin Field, the Trey Lance. This guy, this guy was drafted. Uh, he was a high pedigree in college. Did very well. I think Stanford. Do not Stanford. Yeah. And uh, he's done. He, he's like done everything by the numbers. You know, he, he made some mistakes. But before we leave the subject, I will tell you my team, and that's if Tom Brady gets hurt, I'm like, there's your perfect spot. You know, yeah. It, if he gets the, hurt, you're right. You're right. The if he gets hurt, Brady and Garoppolo not getting along. I don't know if they were true, but 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 I don't trust. I know reporters. You know, and, and, and they'll say they'll make a mountain out of Mohill, but Brady's on his way out age wise. Uh, a report came out today him and Giselle are fighting, you know. So, <laughs> and, and all this adds up at the age of 45 or, or, or 65, however old he is. Yeah, yeah. So, so look out for that. But congrats to Jimmy Garoppolo yep. uh, and the 49ers for coming to win win. And uh, we have not talked uh, or we have not seen the last of this saga because I do believe the trade is in. And okay. I love my Dave Letterman stick, you know. So now we got to go to something very heavy, very serious. And uh, help me out again. It is Matt. Areza. Areza. Matt Areza. Matt Areza uh, was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, a punter. I think he had a $4 million contract he was given uh, to me for a punter. That's phenomenal money. The punt god he came to be. Yeah, made. yeah. And uh, uh, I did not know Matt Matt Areza was part of the problem. I, uh, the credit to the Times of San Diego, the small local publication, They've been covering the story. So right. what happened is uh, a report came out, uh, uncovered a report, un- uh, uncovered the story that the police were investigating an off-campus uh, potential rape. No names were given. The police asked the the university not to do their own investigation, or or the university decided not to because they didn't want to interfere. Because you know when you have two investigating bodies, you're, you're talking to similar people, yeah, so they didn't want to do that. And the, the news tried to do the the liberal. Uh, uh, take on it. Oh, they're trying to cover up the corporate, you know, right. the, you know the evil, vile uh, university white racist pigs are covering it up. And uh, but that wasn't the case. And it came out nationally when when Areza uh, was what well, his name came out publicly. Now, two things here: Duke Lacrosse and Deshaun Watson. How do you compare this situation? And this, there's no right or wrong to the audience. There is no right, right or wrong. Yeah. But uh, let's take one at a time. Uh, Deshaun Watson versus uh, uh, Matt Areza. How do you compare this situation? Apples and oranges in terms of what's alleged. Um, I, look, I'll, I wrote this in my column during the week. I'm not judging Areza based on just the reports because right. I don't know. So I'm couching this by saying, He's innocent until proven guilty. I'm not part of this, like, believe all women. I'm not part of this, like, all women are liars. Here's my thing. That girl 
is very believable. The victim, the, the Jane Doe. If you read the um, the stories of her going in, she didn't. You know, it's not one of these cases that she's reporting it five years after the fact, right? She literally, as soon as she turned eighteen and got done with that high school, because she was a high school student at the time of this incident. You know, she came across as very believable as to the incident, right? She's like, I was, you know, I was, I was afraid they wouldn't let me graduate. So I graduated. Then I went to the police, you know, blah, 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 blah. She did the right thing is what you're she saying. Did the, she, she did the right up, thing. She knew something right. was wrong, wasn't up. She right. contacted the police, went to the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Her story is very detailed. Like not only is Areza a figure in this, Two of his team, two of his teammates at the time were accused as well. And, it's a and she was right. And she was very clear. She described the house where the party was, where she was taken to as part of a party by allegedly Areza. So you had the then she described the room where she was allegedly gang raped. So there's this whole thing where it's not these fuzzy details. You know, it's it's very detailed. Right. Now. Um, the police as part of their investigation, and I don't know how this was handled. There's conflicting reports that maybe they, tr they didn't take it as seriously because there were uh, San Diego State uh, uh, football players involved. Then there's the, I don't know. But, yeah, I, can, yeah, I, I can talk on that. Okay. Let me, take it seriously. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, fair enough. Like I said, I don't know. But I do know that when they did start investigating it, they tried to do something called pretexting, which was they had the victim text her uh, alleged attackers to get them to somehow confess over text, right. right? So for example, from what I read, she basically started texting Areza saying, hey, about what happened when we went to the party. And at first, without, to my knowledge, really admitting to anything, it sounded like he was on the verge of saying something. And then she, I guess the detectives told her or she, or the detectives did it on her phone, said something along the lines of, so listen, uh, you remember what happened when you blanked me that night, right? Well, John, John, I don't mean to jump, but let me read you the actual quote. Okay. Because to me, this is a shut, uh, uh, what's that saying? Shut, uh, uh, open and shut case. Yeah, open and shut case based off of this comment on the text. Uh, he, this, she's talking about Eraser. I assume she's talking about Eraser. That's where everything points mm -hmm. to. They don't say the names of the other guys. But he told me that we had hooked up, and he told me that I should get tested for chlamydia. To me, that's the open and shut. You know, right. if he has chlamydia, uh, uh, and, and records would show that, because you get some of that, you're gonna go checked in, get, get checked out, and get your penicillin. Right. Uh, so she goes on to say. I then was told by my detectives to clarify what he meant by hookup. That's for legalese issues. And so I asked him if we had actual sex and his tone completely changed from that point, right. she said. Now, if you remove the comment that I should get tested for chlamydia, it becomes a gray area. But the, I mean, I, I, I guess I, maybe I'm stupid, but I'll, Got chlamydia through sexual intercourse. Uh, maybe there's another way to catch it. No, no, there is. But then there's the so there so there's there's a lot of things going on here, from what I could tell. And I think uh, Florio, Mike Florio, had an actual decent segment with Rich Eisen on this because Florio is a former lawyer, right? Um, what happened here was the second. So there's two ways of interpreting it, right? One is when she said, "I don't remember what happened exactly. Did we actually hook up that night?" That hurts her. Right? He immediately said, um, are you sure you're texting the right person? This is Matt Areza. That was his response to that. So if you're a jury just looking at the text things, it's he's like, innocent. wow, he doesn't even remember. He's saying, do you have the right person, right? Yeah. Now, someone who takes the side of the victim would say he kind of sniffed out that they were trying to entrap him. So he he did the smart thing. If you're, you know, if you're his lawyer, he did the smart thing by saying like, I don't know who this is. You know, what are you, who are you talking to? But John, I, I'm not like a lawyer. I've yeah. never got on a murder trial, but I know at 22 years old, you're probably not the quickest thinker, especially if you're a football player. And yeah, I'm stereotyping a little bit, but, but, but he, he's on scholarship to kick the football and not go to class. So, so again, I'm stereotyping, but at that young age, uh, you got to be quick-witted to realize what was happening. Right. No, no, understood, understood. So th that's what I'm saying. That alone 
creates doubt, right? At, for a criminal investigation, that creates doubt. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is Areza, even though she was 17 and in high school, he was a college student, but I think he was only 18 or 19 at the time. Oh, wow. So oh, that's right. This happened last year. Yeah. Last so what happens in these cases is, and I think in California, you would know better than I would, but in California, when, for example, any sex with a 17-year-old is considered statutory rape, you know, whether she consented or not, because she's underage, right? That's what right, statutory right. I don't rape know what means. California's age, but each state uh, it's, 18. it's 18. It's 18. So okay. if she was 17, that would be statutory okay. rape. Right. Without like it wouldn't matter even if she said even if she was even if she admits I was 100 percent behind it, according to the law, the person who had sex with her is guilty of statutory rape. But yeah. <clears throat> but California law understands that there's degrees of it, meaning if it's an 18 year old who had sex with a 17 year old, then they're like, well, it, it's not it's illegal, but it's sort of like jaywalking. Well, look at high school. Right. High school. Yeah. That senior year, he's 18. He's been dating the girl. They've been dating since they 16 and 15, 17, you know, 16, 18, 17. Yeah. So, so I, 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 I get that. Plus, I, the other, plus, William, the other thing, if I could throw this in, <clears throat> there would also be a difference if it was oral sex or something more than oral sex. All right, Bill Clinton. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mean it from my perspective. I, I think from the, uh, from the way the law views it. For example, if it was just oral sex, but then the other two alleged attackers were the ones who did the more serious stuff, Arez is guilty on some level, but he's not as guilty. Right. So, and I know that sounds like I'm trying to split hairs, but it's- No, no you're not. I had a friend, uh, I won't say what university he went to, but it's very, very prestigious, had worked his whole life to get there. Went to a party. His uh, friend was visiting him. Uh, younger guy, he'd always uh, been protective of him. There was a gang rape at where they were at. He had nothing to do with it, but just because he was there, he was thrown out of the university. Yeah. No if, ands, or buts. So, so this is a serious situation. But I also think if Areza is found innocent or, or or she did not realize who was who actually did this, you know, we may see the first serious lawsuit against the NFL itself because this guy's his life is effectively over in terms of how people view him. Yeah, and here's another distinction. This wasn't an act by the NFL. <clears throat> this was an act by the Bills. Yeah. <clears throat> right? So people have to understand that. Here's something I didn't realize until I heard it in that Florio interview is that according to the CBA, <clears throat> the NFL cannot punish a player for anything that was done before oh that's right he engaged with the nfl so here's the weird thing if or even if foreza is like a deshaun watson situation where there's no indictment but we kind of feel he didn't act in uh, he violated the personal conduct policy right according ah. to the cba you can't hit up a razor with for that if you're the nfl Exactly. Right. And that's why I think it'll be a payout if he's innocent. Well, that's what they thought. They thought that the Bills might put him on paid leave the way oh, the no, Texans no. put Watson on paid leave. But here's Good. the difference. Yeah. One's a quarterback, one's exactly. a punter. Right. Ray Travis said it best. You know, that's the core. Uh, you know, I love Mike Tice. He's just not a good guy. You know, and uh, I, I, I just find it. I, I hate it when coaches do that. The poor guy who's struggling to make the team, yeah. working it. I mean, to me, that's a true role model versus a Deshaun Watson. With I mean, I'm not taking anything away from those guys, <laughs> the great players, but I really love those the Steve Taskers of the world. 13 years, the greatest special teams player uh, in the eyes of many, but but he was never a given. Right. You know? He had to work it. So uh, that's how, that's what happened here. And these are billion-dollar operations. So it, it, even if he sues the hell out of him and they give him a private set out of 40, 50, 60 million, the bills are still coming out ahead. You know. So let's hope this gets resolved. Let's hope the girl finds justice. But let's also hope if Areza is innocent, uh, 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 and, and this is not another Duke lacrosse, yeah, uh, because the lawyer says it's not about money, but 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 I haven't seen the details of a yeah, civil and action. To, and to be honest with you, you know, <coughs> excuse me, she's not suing him right now. It's not a civil suit; it's a criminal investigation. That no, see, no, people... it's a civil suit. There's a civil suit. <coughs> That's how there's also a criminal suit, isn't there? 
No, they're still investigating, as you said. <coughs> uh, the university is still conducting an investigation. Here's the problem. This was off campus with a lot of drunk people. So the cops may get one statement from one person one day. That same person may call them back and go, oh, I think I remember this. Then call them back again. No, it was this. So it really becomes difficult to prosecute, especially, and it doesn't help her case when he goes, are you talking to the right guy? Right. And they were trying yeah. to entrap him. And he comes back with, are you talking to the right guy? I mean, that was a perfect statement from a legal standpoint for him to make. But Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, this is why... I've always advocated that really the NFL shouldn't do anything until there's been a legal determination, right? Because now the bills firing him. And by the way, again, I'll state this, the bills had every right to cut him, right? right? They don't want that mess on their team. They're headed to the super bowl. They think this season, they don't need a punter distracting them with these allegations, especially if he's somebody that the locker room generally likes, right? <laughs> like if he's a, if he's a likable kid and then, there's constantly, you know, now players have to take sides. They have to decide if they want to be seen with him or not. It, it becomes a distraction. So I understand why the bills were like, we'd rather just not deal with exactly. it. Exactly. No, no, I agree. I, agree. I could get, I could get a veteran punter who's been around for 15 years for one third, the cost. And I don't have to deal with distractions. He's going to be somebody nobody even recognizes in the supermarket. No, I, I get it. I was just thinking with the Bills' luck, like like that debacle they had last year, having another playoff, and and the punt is blocked, and you know somebody's oh, gonna man. go. If you had a razor, it wouldn't have been blocked. Yeah, because listen, <laughs> he he was he had a great camp. Like there's, you know, he for as much as a punter could was making waves. Like people were like, this kid has got a big leg and he punk knows god. the god. What's it, what punk they god. He was called yeah. the punk god. That was yeah. his nickname already. So it wasn't like he was like somebody who just made it through. Oh, oh, and if he does come back, you know somebody's gonna sign him real quick. I mean if you signed to Sean Watson after 24, if you let Ben Roethlisberger uh continue to play after his debacle uh and, and he's proven innocent, he'll get another game. or Ray Lewis. Yeah, yeah, Ray Lewis, and uh, uh, yeah, and there's so many others. Right. To talk about. But John, it's a, it's a great show we had. Uh, uh, I wish I had put this topic at the beginning so we could have ended it on a lighter note. But to everybody out there, we thank you for listening. And uh, if you found us, you probably found us through our YouTube channel or our Rumble channel or at sportsgrumblings.com. So please visit us there, uh, share our podcast so we can grow. And John, any final words before we say goodnight? No, I'm done. <laughs> That's a big job for you people. And America in the world, good night. <laughs>